Welcome to Pitch and Plan, coming to you straight from the city of brotherly love. I'm your host, April Burks, and we're here to talk all things events and gatherings. Hey, Antoinette. Uh, welcome to Pitch and Plan. Hey, thank uh, this you. This is our third episode. Antoinette was our guest last episode where we talked about all things social media and promotion about events. And today we're going to be talking about sponsorships and things like that, which are super important, especially when planning, you know, certain kinds of events, corporate events and things like that. We're going to pick Antoinette's brain about that topic in, in particular. Yes, I'm ready. So, like I said before, I always like to start off my podcast, especially during this time, and just ask people, like, how are they doing? Just a little check-in, like, how are things going for you? Pretty good. I, in the last episode, I told you things were crazy because we had to do a big switch and pivot. Um, so, you know, things are still the same, rocking and rolling, but we're making it through. Um, I think one big change that I've seen lately, too, is people are really concerned with what their websites look like these days. So we have um, a lot of clients in the queue waiting to get their websites revamped or completely start new from scratch. So I'm excited about that. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I definitely have some updates that I want to add to my website and stuff like that. And I'm definitely <clears throat> paying attention even with this podcast. It was very important that I had like well-written notes that could also be featured on my website and stuff for each of the podcasts. So I could definitely see how people are, you know, everyone's just worried about their online presence overall more because it's so prevalent, you know? Yes, absolutely. So, and you know me, I'm a little OCD. As you know, I'm finally, you have finally explained to me that I am type A personality and I've come to grips with that. So you know me and my timeline, I'm like, does this look like the right color? Should I do a tile? And you're like, just put the information up. If it looks good and it's what people need to know, they'll love it. Nobody, you don't have to sit here and figure out this tile look. And I'm like, now it's getting to the point where it's like, I think she's right. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I'm not getting any more likes when I make it this pretty tiled thing at all. Like, it's not, it's all about the content. I'm getting likes regardless of if it's something people want to know. But so, can we please pause and let the people know? Because I've said to you several times, type A is not a bad thing. We have to remove the stereotype that is attached to type A people. Y'all are necessary in this world. You carry, we, you, you literally carry us on your back. So just saying, okay, it's a good thing. There's there's necessary benefits to type A and type B, but we cannot label type A people as negative. It's not negative. That's true. That's true. I think that's what happened. I had to get rid of the stigma. Mm-hmm. I, was like, I am not type A because everyone used to use it to describe like a boss in corporate America that was like your worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. And then I realized like, mm, that's, you know, they were, going to be your worst nightmare whether they were type A or B that's just them so now I have come to grips and I'm like it's fine that's how could I be how could I really be an event organizer and not have some day right my events would be a whole mess so I get it so just to kind of segue into what we're talking about um I you know I do events that deal with sponsors and then I have some that you know are not driven off of sponsorships at all Throughout my career, when I'm working with clients who are doing sponsorship-driven events, you know, I notice a lot of great things. I notice a lot of bad things. 
And I thought this would be a great topic to talk about just because it's, it's important. And some of these events, that's really how they're being paid for. And that's really where you make a lot of your money are those sponsorships. Not necessarily ticket sales, especially some events are community events where no one even pays for it. So it's literally driven off of these sponsors wanting to be seen and getting their brand out there. So first things first, what, when a person's, you know, getting together their event, putting their event plan and together and all that kind of stuff, what are some things that they need to have in line before they even think about pursuing a sponsor? You have to think about, okay, it's twofold. Because some people just reach out to sponsors and say, hey, can you be a sponsor? Stop doing that. Please stop doing that. Um, you can't, it's, you're, again, throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping that something sticks. So there's two things you probably should do because these are the two things that sponsors are going to care about. One, you need to know what your mission, goals, and um, tasks are for not only your organization, but for the event is or are because you have to make sure that they align with the sponsors that you're reaching out to. Um, and then two, you have to figure it out, fig figure it out. You have to figure out what you need the sponsors to cover. So just going and asking for money without specifics about what you need the money for is not going to get you anywhere. That's just, just, just like begging to beg. Like, your dollars have to have a home before you reach out to your sponsors and just ask them for money. That totally makes sense. And another thing is like, when you're having an annual event, figure out, make sure you're collecting information so that when you go for your second annual, whatever, that you know who the audience was in the demographic. Because I've seen um, clients and other people I've worked with miss out on major sponsorships simply because they can't tell the sponsors who was at the event. Yes, absolutely. And so they don't know if it's worth their money because you can't tell them. And it's not a matter of saying it's 10,000 people here. Who are those 10,000 people? How old are they? Wait, what zip codes are they coming, are coming from? Um, all kinds of things. How many of them, if you can find out how many of them return each year, how many of them are parents, how many of them are seniors. So you got to, like, you don't ask AARP to sponsor an event and you don't have any seniors there or you don't know if there's seniors there. So I think that's something too is like, if it's something that you've had previously, you need to know who your demographic is that attends this event. And if you've never had it, then at least share who your target demographic is so you know if that kind of falls along. Exactly. So, and I, and I want to get into that a little more later, but because that's a part of another question. But another question I have, which is something that's super important, is how early on should you pursue sponsors? Like, do you wait a month before the event, or should you be trying to get a sponsor a year before? And is there any such thing as too early? There's no such thing as too early. And I think you should be trying to get your sponsors as early as possible because sometimes depending on how big the sponsorship is, they can dictate what your event is going to look like and what your event um, needs to Absolutely. do. So for example, like you could be missing out on free space if you wait 30 days prior to your event because you wanted to make sure everything was in place before you reached out to people. When in fact, you probably could have, or not probably could have, because not everybody can do this. But 
you may have reached out to, I'm just going to say Pico, if you're in the city of Philadelphia, and they may have their own event space that could have been yours to use, and their sponsorship was the event space for free. And that could have been thousands of dollars that you've saved. And now that's going to shape your event because you may only be able to use certain food vendors that Pico allows inside of their building, yeah. and which is fine. But again, you may be shaving off thousands of dollars if they decide to cover the food, or you might have to tell sponsor ABC, this is how much I need for food because they're going to be, uh, this is how much it comes down to off of, based off the menu that Pico has provided for me. So by reaching out to them much sooner, you can, um, your event's going to help it's going to help lay your event out. So that's number one. Number two, when you're reaching out to corporate sponsors, their money is spent well before 30 days prior to your event. So you have to think about their giving dollars for the year of 2020 was probably laid out, spent, decided for all that good stuff at the top of 2019, very possibly could have been, or mid-year, um, the fiscal year, beginning of the fiscal year of 2019. So if you are having an event September 2020, there's probably no way you're going to be getting any money because you've already said it. Right. I've seen this happen with an event where an organization would have been, and this is like, I'm, I'm not, you know, a major bank that has the money to give, and they literally were like, come see us next year because it's too late. And they still wrote them a check, but that check was $5,000. And that banking institution easily could have been a $25,000 sponsor. Correct. But because it, they came to them too late, they were like, you know, we've already allocated a lot of our money mm -hmm. to what we already were, you know, spending it on. Right. So that, that's fair. When, so another question I have, <clears throat> and I get this all the time, clients uh, ask me about it, even though I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't raise money. I tell people that I will plan a fundraising event for you, but I will not do the fundraising. But right. <laughs> I've done it before. I don't like it. Antoinette knows this, that I don't like it, but I will, however, you know, consult with clients when we're brainstorming about deliverables that we can give to sponsors or and things like that what are some ideas and tips that you have around creating or what are some creative things you've seen given to a sponsor as a deliverable like one thing i think you told me about before was like people don't think about this is having somebody sponsor the wi-fi mm -hmm. but everyone there is using what most people are using wi-fi the event is more than likely going to need wi-fi so that's like a cool idea so what are some tips around that anything and this is also just me being a spin doctor with a PR degree. Like I can spin the crap out of stuff. Um, so if you tell me that you have spoons at your event, people are going to sponsor the spoons. But literally there's whatever you need to bring into that venue, somebody can sponsor. Oh, the Wi-Fi sponsor, meaning that, and I've seen companies do this, so there's ways that you can get it to pop up and that person's brand or logo comes up. Um, kind of like when you go to a free Wi-Fi spot and it says, 
um, like when you go to Capital One Cafe and it has their branding and it links directly to their website. But even if you don't do that, you literally can change the Wi-Fi password for the day to the sponsor's name to that's log genius. in. I never, and, oh my God, that's genius. I would never thought to just make the, but you're making everyone who uses that, put that company's name in there. Exactly. And so now you have to think like if I have 300 people who've come to my event and 300 people with a phone or a laptop and 300 people want to get on the Wi-Fi network, 300 people had to log in using that company's name, 300 people have been exposed to your brand. And I don't care what you say, that's exposure to me. So you can literally name things or anything that you would need to make your event run smoothly, a sponsor can, can take care of that. And then you back it up by putting them on the program or putting, giving them a shout out or um, on the stage or putting them on the screen. Like, so at the end of the day, you have to think eyeballs because that's all the sponsor wants. The sponsor wants eyeballs. Are they doing some things out of the kindness of their heart? Yes. But at the end of the day, how many people have you exposed their, their business or their organization or their brand to? And that's how you're going to deliver your analytics. So if you can say 300 people logged into the Wi-Fi using your name, that's 300 people. If you can say that 250 people use the lunch boxes with the brand's name on them, 250 people were exposed to your brands with your marketing material inside of their lunchbox. So there's so many different things that people can take care of. And as long as you can prove that it um, shine light on them, go for it. Yeah, I, I, I'm still like mind blown with the wife. <laughs> I know there's programs where you can use to do the branded page. Mm -hmm. but what is easier than just saying the place where it is and it's that company's name? And throwing up a couple signs if it's an in-person event, for sure. Mm -hmm. What are some deliverables that people can provide now that things have switched to virtual events? What do you mean as, in far, as far as deliverables? Um, so when I say deliverables, I mean like as far as like in the sponsorship package, what are some things that you're going to give in exchange to the sponsor? Oh, in order, like before, like you just talked about, you could, I'm going to put your name on a plaque, you're going to sponsor the Wi-Fi, we're going to name the lounge after, the lounge will be called Campbell's Lounge or something like that, but then we don't necessarily have that lounge physically anymore, and we can't do Wi-Fi because everyone's not under the same Wi-Fi, so what are some other things that we can provide in exchange for the Makes sense. So one, I would... Um, offer them the opportunity to have their business information scroll across the screen. Um, if you can put their logo on the screen, I would do that. I would offer them 30 second to 60 second commercial spots, which are really great because now your team can take a break as you're doing transitions. Um, I would also offer them social media sponsorships. So just traditional, this is brought to you by blah, blah, blah company, and then list out some information about the, uh, the business and call it a day and just put that into your social media campaign. You can still have lounges technically. So if you have different rooms, I know Facebook has rooms now. I have to explore that a little bit, but that room could be XYZ company room for the day, or this stream over here about this conference is XYZ company stream, or this workshop is sponsored, or I love when people put powered by this company. Yeah, like so 
there's still many ways. Um, you can also sell space on your newsletter. So every time you're communicating about the event, sell space at the bottom of your newsletter and just say, you know what, even if these people don't come to the event, there's 10,000 people on my newsletter list that are going to know about your brand um, because they opened it. That makes sense. Another one that um, I've been talking about as well is polls. You can have a company sponsor a poll and the attendee doesn't even have to know that it's a sponsor poll. They, you can put their brand on it if that's how you want to go, but you, so-and-so's company knows that 300 people are going to attend this webinar and they pay you thousands of dollars just to put a poll out to ask because when you're on these webinars, that poll comes pops up on your screen. You almost don't even have a choice but to answer it. And that's data that they might not have usually gotten. So I yeah. think polls are something. I also think that, you know, when I did the conference, I had the, the background, the Zoom background, where I put the conference logo on it. That's mm -hmm. something that you could offer that all the moderators, because it's hard to control if you have multiple um, panelists, but that all the moderators will have you on, the, you know, your logo on the background or whatever the case may be. And then I think that don't be afraid to still do swag, even though it's not an in-person thing. I was, it was some event, I can't remember what it was. I'm sorry, I'm not giving them credit because I can't even remember, but it was like they were giving out electronic swag bags. Mm. That's, that's, I mean, that's perfect. It could be printable bookmark. It could be so much, so many things, especially when it's like a conference for certain trades. Yep. Just sharing a, a guide, like, you know what I'm saying? Like if there was a conference and you wanted to sponsor it and you did a mini guide, your resource guide, a mini version of that and put that on the, put that in the mini swag bag. But also like one client I'm working with, I'm talking about either creating a ticket where it comes with a fun swag bag, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a little more or just a surprising people. The first 30 people to buy tickets are going to get swag bags prior to the conference mail to their house. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So like, don't, you know, you can still get people swag bags and things like that. And nowadays with pickup, you can even, you don't have to mail it. You could even just say, you know, you can pick up your swag bags between this time, da 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 da, -da. If, it's, if it's a mostly local conference, if it's not local, then that might not be the case. Um, there's also like your speakers. Um, you could mail them shirts that have a sponsor name on it and ask them to wear it during that time. You know, there's a couple different ways. There's a lunchtime sponsor you could have, maybe talk to a Postmates or a Grubhub or something like that, where you just get a discount code for your attendees and lunchtime power hour is, like you said, powered by Postmates or something like that. So. Mm -hmm. I think that out of all of this, we're going to get so creative. I, that's what I love. It's like we definitely, it's pushing us all to think beyond what we're just used to, beyond the normal sponsorship packages. Your name will be on the program. Your name will be featured on this PowerPoint slide. And you can still do those things, but it's now we have to give a, a little um, more value, you know, yeah. in, a, in a different way. Absolutely. So, I also want to get into, so how do people identify sponsors that would be good for their event? Because mm. I see people going after sponsors, and it could even be a nonprofit event, but that's not that corporation's, what is it called, when a corporation has a pillar, something they really stand for? Like that's they stand for. So they're not going to give you a lot of money about for that. But there might be another corporation where that's what they do is they support reentry programs and things like that or something. Right. So this is why I mentioned in the first question, I think it was the first question, that you have to 
you have to one, find out what your mission, vision, values, goals are, and that target audience that you mentioned, because now that you have that data and you have what those people need and what they care about and what your organization is about, you can take that and, and align yourself with sponsors who have those same mission. And this is a lot of deep work, um, a lot of research, but you literally have to go through these companies and their websites and probably some um, past press releases and see other types of events that they've sponsored and, um, and that they've been involved with to say, okay, it looks like this company has really stepped up with, with um, contributing or sponsoring to events and initiatives connected to women and, and STEM and girls who study STEM. And my event is all about empowering girls with STEM. So I need to reach out to this company and do this. I have a client who is a consultant with diversity and inclusion. So she's partnering with lots of organizations now whose goal is diversity and inclusion. And they've been really great um, companies for her to partner with because it's a huge initiative for their business. And not only that, she has the audience, she has the diverse audience that they want to talk to. So who did, that's, that's the other thing too. Sometimes it's about the mission, vision, goals, and alignment and all that other stuff. But marketing campaigns, look at their marketing campaigns and see who they're trying to talk to. So if you know that I'm putting this brand out here, I don't even know if this is true, but if you know that Coca-Cola is interested in talking to more black people and your audience are black people, don't be scared to say, hey, I have an audience of um, minority-owned business owners, minority-owned business people between the ages of X, Y, and Z. They are in this industry. They tend to like this, do this, blah, 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 blah. And then Coca-Cola can say, well, it looks like your demographic fits all of the target, um, all, all, of the, all of the targets that we're trying to meet. So yeah, we want to sponsor your event. We're going to bring Coca-Cola to your event um, and offer that. Or now, since everything is virtual, it might be, well, we're going to take, uh, give everybody a coupon to get a free pack of Coca-Cola. So it's it does you justice to know exactly who you're talking to, who you're talking for, and then the mission of both your organization and their organization so that way you can align with each other. But it really starts off with a lot of research um, and that's through Google, press releases, um, uh, past events that they've done, looking into articles about that company. Um, even if they've been in a crisis, this might be your time to go in and say, hey, mm-hmm. I want to help you spin this. or I want to help you get out of this um, because I have that audience that you've, you've made a mistake mm-hmm. with. Come, come here and, and, and plead your case. Yeah, absolutely. So the other thing I always say to people is like, and I, and I, you know, I learned this through working for another organization, so I didn't come up with this bright idea, but don't be afraid to go after the people that you constantly give money to. Uh-uh. That company that's doing your HVAC and you've been giving them money for 10 years, there's no reason why they can't sponsor your event. Mm-hmm. If you use Verizon or T-Mobile or whatever, or your internet is provided by this person or the bank 
And you're using, like, I always say this to one of my clients, they, they have an economic mobility program and each participant has a savings account. Well, what bank is that that you're now having all of your participants put their money into and why can't that bank cut you a, a check for your next event? And yeah. sometimes it's not about that they don't want to, they've just never pursued them. Right. People are going after the same people, especially in Philadelphia, that they know give money. Everybody wants to hit Pico. I'm not saying don't hit up Pico because they do give, but there's other pools out here that people aren't going to. Everybody's going to the same bank, Wells Fargo, because everyone knows the guy over there that runs their, you know, charitable giving or what have you, or TD Bank. But there's small businesses. Look at a chase where they're trying to desperately break into this market. Yeah, absolutely. They're trying to put a stamp in Philadelphia. You know what I'm saying? Because they're not known really for being in Philadelphia. That might be the bank that you need to go to. Or BBNT, which is a smaller bank that is trying to really get a, a, a hard footprint in this market. So always look at the people that you're giving money to already, as well as stop picking the same sponsors that everyone else picks. And, and I'm not saying don't pursue them because they may give you money as well, but there's look around you. There's other people that you're probably counting out because you've never thought of it. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's something that I just wanted to add to that. Right. So what is the best way to pursue the sponsors? So I, I only know the old fashioned way of like, you mail out a letter, mm -hmm. a, you know, a physical letter. Me, I prefer actually emailing them because you can never confirm that the letter got to them and then from there you do a series of follow-up through phone and email and things like that hopefully it's not a cold call because I don't even think those work but how would you reach out to sponsors initially well well so <laughs> what you're what you're saying is absolutely fine especially when you're first starting um and you're just you're you're in the process of building your prospecting list. So let me start here. So sponsor, finding sponsors and partnering with organizations, this is all umbrellaed under the, um, what you would call business development. And a lot of people get the term business development mixed up with building a business or business growth. And yes, these are tactics that are gonna help you do both, but I actually went to look it up so I had the proper words for it, but business development is activity of pursuing strategic operations or strategic opportunities for a particular business or organization. So this is completely a relational tactic in order for both parties to benefit from whatever it is the two of you wanna do. So your business or organization wants to get sponsorships. Their business has a need as well. And we've talked a lot, like getting in front of the right audience, you know, supporting a certain initiative, fixing an uh-oh, all that kind of stuff. But you can only figure that part out if you start with building a network of possible connections and prospecting and selling, okay? And a lot of people get caught up in that word selling, but selling is really just building relationships. And if you do the due diligence of constantly just building your network, the relationships, or sorry, the, the partnerships will come. So you'll see some people can literally just mail 
a letter out or email somebody and be like, hey, I got this opportunity. Can you send a couple of dollars my way? And it's not even a big deal. But that's because they have a relationship already established. So I say the first thing that you need to do before you even get to the event, before you even get to just sending out those mass letters, it'll do you justice to work on your network, okay? They can be people of all different levels and like go into it with just an open mind. Like, I don't know if I need Target ever, but I probably should have someone in my back pocket in my network who works for Target, right? That can get me through the door, that can tell me about Target's initiative, that could um, say, you know what, girl, Target just bought three Black-owned business brands um, partnerships or just did three deals with black owned businesses to sell their products in Target. Like that's insider information that I would not have known had I not had that partnership. And so then you build those relationships and I do a lot of happy birthday emails, a lot of congratulatory texts, a lot of um, phone calls just to check in and see how folks are doing. Cause let's be honest, those phone calls have gotten me through this through this pandemic with my business um, as well. So you want to start building your network so that way when you when you have a need, you've already given ten times tenfold to those people that are then going to feed back into you. And that's what business development is. So if you're in this for the long run and you own a business that's looking to get donations, dollars, money, contributions, whatever it is, a piece of paper, a pen, you need to be building these networks and these relationships of supporters, number one. So you're going to send the letters like April had mentioned. And then I would also say you're, go you're still going to do cold calls. Cold calls still work. They are very far and few between. They are the vein of my existence. I don't like them. They are. That's they fine. are. <laughs> but, I mean, you're probably going to get one yes for every 30 no's or every 30 voicemails that you get. But you could be blocking yourself by not doing it or at least trying. Yeah. So I would also do your cold calls. I would also get on LinkedIn and build those relationships on LinkedIn and reach out to them on there as well. When things open back up, hopefully open back up. No, you know what? No, you don't need this to open back up. I used to do this back in the day. Little gifts. Send a small gift, especially if you're welcoming a new business into the area. Um, or I used to love reading the journal, the PB, uh, P, yeah, the Philadelphia Business Journal, or like the Inquirer, and seeing um, a company might have been recognized as top 100 something. Mm -hmm. I would send them a, a thank you card, not a thank you card, and uh, a congratulatory card or um, a small goodie bag of cookies right so to say congratulations um and again yes it's an expense but that bag of cookies could literally get you your next five thousand dollars for your event um because you'll be remembered somebody will remember you so i would it sounds like a lot but if you're practicing these things every single day as ceo as cfo as fundraiser as business development representative your partnerships when you need them will come through so it's a long-winded answer um but just practice these things every single day so you're not 
your back isn't against the wall at the last second and all you're relying on is just an email or a letter that you send in the mail asking for a donation. Yeah, and also it goes back to what we talked about in the last episode where you were saying don't wait till the event is coming up to then create a social media presence and all that kind of stuff. Because when you are pursuing these people, they're going to check websites, social medias, and all that kind of stuff. And if you've got nada just because you don't have a fancy event to show off yet, then that's going to that's gonna show. And also, their social media gives you the chance to start building relationships. You don't know who's following you, especially, exactly. like you said, on the LinkedIn and things like that. So that, that definitely is key as well. I totally agree with that. My next two questions and my last two questions that I have for you are going to surround what happens after the event. You secure the bag, you got the sponsors, or during and after the event, shall I say. You secure the bag, you got the sponsors, and things like that. You have the event, it's going well. What demographic information should you absolutely collect during this event? And that's one good thing about virtual events is you're able to collect this information that you couldn't necessarily get from everyone in an in-person event. So what is some, some things that you should absolutely collect from attendees in order to help you, A, talk to your sponsors that you did get and confirm who was there for them, but also help you in the future get additional sponsors? Gotcha. So one, a survey to just, I know event planners, you always have a survey to see how the attendee experience was. And if you can at least have some type of survey that asks them if they liked it or did not like it, and you can prove to your sponsors that they had a great time and they loved it, that would be some really great um, data that you can share with them. I would also share um, age, uh, race if you can. I would share gender if you can, um, how they found out about the event. I've seen people do this in their surveys and I think it's powerful. Um, how do you feel about XYZ sponsor? Uh, and I would not reserve that for all sponsors, but for your headline sponsor, your key sponsor, mm -hmm. I totally would do that because then they get to have some feedback on one, um, how they, how they feel about the organization now that they've attended this event. But two, if there's, imagine being the hero, if you come to your sponsor and say, Hey, look, we figured out that you all have an issue and some people may be scared to bring negative information to someone, but you literally could be saving an organization if you find out that there's some perception going on about them that they had no idea or were not privy to. Um, because then they, they have the upper hand. They can fix that as opposed to it coming out in a news article and being tone deaf about it and it blowing up in their face. So I would, if you can, or if you're bold enough to do that question on a survey, I would. Um, so I would gather as much information about that person as you can. And then also with your analytics on the social media side, since we're virtual, I would say, um, the reach, the engagement, if you have that information, um, and, uh, what is it called? Reach, engagement, and your impressions. Mm -hmm. So my last question where I have definitely worked on projects where I've seen the ball drop here. Once the event is over, it goes over well and everything like that. Let's say you do collect the information, you do have sponsors. How do you follow up with your sponsors? 
what should you be, you know, do you just send them an email like, thank you for donating and that just be that, or thank you for contributing, mm -hmm. or do you send them something nice with everything wrapped up to let them know, what the, like, how, how is that process? And then once you do that, how do you engage with them throughout the year if it's an annual event that you're going to probably want to go back to them? If you are a big business and you have paid for PR and you are doing follow-up interviews, I think they would respect if you included them in that follow those follow-up interviews and like the thank you was actually in the press itself. Mm -hmm. um, also, I would do gifts. I really would. Um, a thank you card is great. And I think if that's what you can do, absolutely. The thank you card, if you can do a gift, do a gift, especially if there is somebody who led um, the horse to the water. So you had a connection that got you in the door. That, per that person deserves a gift. Mm -hmm. Do not forget that person. Please don't forget that person. And then I would not let that be the last piece of communication that they hear from you until it's time to ask them for money again. So I would send that thank you. I would follow up to say, hey, some people are still talking about you on Twitter and that event. Just wanted to let you know that people are still enjoying it. Um, I would also send thank yous and congratulations for anything cool that they've done over the last couple, uh, the, the next few months prior to your next event, if you're going to ask them again. Um, and then just stay in the loop, like pick up the phone and call them and just chat. Like people love that. So just don't let the communication die after you secure the bag and then the event is over. And the next thing you know, they're, you're just calling to get some more money. Yeah, yeah, that's not... A good look at all. <laughs> you definitely like you, but like I think the the theme throughout both episodes that I've recorded with you, whether it be a social media relationship or an actual in real life IRL relationship, is like maintaining the relationships and not just going to people when you need something from them. Yes. yes. How can you help them? And maybe the smallest thing that you can do, if you have a sponsor and you see that they're, they've are they been looking to fill a position that they need really bad, share the position on LinkedIn or send it to your friends and see if you can refer it to somebody. That's a win-win if your friend goes in and actually gets the job or whatever the case may be. And you stuck your neck out for this company to help them fill the position. And then when they need a sponsor, or you need a sponsor, I'm sorry, they'll remember that. So I think it's just all about, you know, that's something that I've learned when I ventured out as an entrepreneur, that everything is all about relationships. And that's why it makes sense when you say my business is word of mouth, because people feel so much comfortable writing a small business, you know, a business a check when they know that somebody they know or they, whatever used this service and it came out successfully. So I think that's very important relationships that's definitely a theme just don't you know at first like you said you may have to ask strangers that you never met for sponsorships but if you get it make sure you develop and keep their relationship and any salesperson or fundraiser that's what their job is yeah and I would add this too I'm gonna jump out on a limb and say this because I think I speak from experience when I say this because when I first started in business development years ago so I did this in a corporate job um I didn't necessarily feel that I belonged in those spaces. Um, even though I had the credentials, I had the professionalism to belong in these spaces. I think it just was like, I was young 
and I didn't feel comfortable being in spaces with older people who have had years of experience on top of me. And it just was a really weird thing to try and like call up the 40 year old um, CEO of this company or you know, the 40 year old HR person at this company and like try to hold a relationship. So just understand that you have every right to be in that space as they do. You have every right to communicate and have some form of relationship with them as their whole, like their circle. And while you may not be able to relate on everything, I would really stretch yourself to stay current in the news, um, update yourself on podcasts, dive into topics that don't necessarily have anything to do with work, um, take uh, professional speaking classes, and um, take networking classes. I've taken networking classes before, so that way you have things to talk about other than just the weather. And you can build a genuine relationship because my next step, I've told you this, April, my next step is when this stuff opens up, I'm getting on a golf course, okay? I need to play golf, but I was literally about to blurt that out, like, learn how to play golf, because there's a lot of deals made on the golf course. All of them, all of them. And before, am I, uh, the job that I used to work at, at some point, we were giving them away, giving them away. We were giving away or giving as gifts tickets to football, um, to Eagles games, mm-hmm. baseball games, and at some point, I think Sixers games too, but there was a huge amount of them reserved for us to sit with them at the game and have conversations because people do business with people that they like that's and people do business with people that they trust. That's why a lot of companies have these suites and stuff for the networking. But I, you know, I think it's important, like you're saying, to try to just be a well-rounded person. Like I, like I think of my dad, he does not watch every sport, but he reads the sports section at least the hell so he's up on what's happening in all the different sports so he he works on the train but at any given point anybody in the train he can spark up a conversation with them and, and, and say something to him about hockey but he doesn't watch hockey you know what i'm saying right so i right. think it's just you know when networking try to be a well-versed person not a different person still be you but because that's important especially for women of color people of color you know with the whole code switching and all of that Still be you, but you need to be a well-versed you, and, and, you know, don't be afraid to learn some other skills and some other things, so that you can build these connections with people who aren't necessarily the same, come from the same walks of life as you do. Right, and it's easy to do, like, you don't have to read if you want to watch YouTube, but I learned so much on YouTube. I'm, like, an expert on Ebola at this point, because at one point, in time, <laughs> you couldn't tell me, like, to get off YouTube, because I just was so fascinated with it, and I it's crazy that we're kind of experiencing, we're not kind of, we're experiencing a pandemic because I'm like, I was just learning about this kind of stuff on YouTube, like by watching documentaries. So um, there's so much to learn and so many things to talk about. And at the end of the day, my tip is if you can't talk about all topics, ask a bunch of questions. People love to answer questions. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So real quick before we go, tell us where we can find you and what you have coming up that we all should partake in or would be interested in. Sure. So if you want more business development tips, I would direct you all to my podcast, Referrals and Rants. 
Um, I specifically talk about business development, sales, prospecting, relationship building, um, and growing your business using business development tips and tricks. Um, and I say that because I often find that people were missing this piece in their business. They all focused on social media marketing. And I'm like, no, you can't build a business without learning how to talk to people in real life. So if you go on iTunes, SoundCloud, I think it's on Spotify right now and iHeartRadio, something like that. Either way, referrals and rants go on there. Um, if you're looking for me on Instagram, it's Antoinette K Minor. And then also typsocialmediacode.com. I am building a resource center there now. So that way you can DIY your business development and digital marketing efforts on your own or schedule a consultation with me if you're not looking to hire a firm or hire a professional to take it completely off your hands. You still can work on these things yourself um, using some tools and gems and tricks and tips that are good for you. So I would do that as well. So typsocialmediacode.com. And all of Antoinette's information will be in the podcast notes, um, which you can get at pinksocialstrategies.com. So please follow her, reach out to her, show her some love, let her know that you heard her on our podcast. Um, <laughs> without further ado, thank you so much, Antoinette, for being a guest on our podcast a second time. We love you that much. I could have talked to you for a whole nother hour because I got lots of questions when it comes to getting some money and getting a check. <laughs> thank you. So thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of Pitch and Plan. You can find all the show notes and all the information that we talked about in this episode at pinksocialstrategies.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend.